You can't ban guns if people don't feel safe. If people are afraid for their safety, they're not going to give up their guns. You need to solve the violence problems before you ban the guns or you're just hurting the good guys. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective addressing important societal issues. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. On this episode, I'm continuing my series on gun control. I'd like to leave you with a notice that I'm going to take a two-week break over Christmas to spend some time with my family, and The Rational View will be back in action on January 9th, that's Saturday, January 9th. So please hang around and stay tuned, and I hope you all have a great holiday with your family. In the interim, if you are interested in getting in on this conversation, please send me an audio comment to my Facebook page at Al Scott Rational. And I'll try to put you into my next podcast. I'd love to hear comments from listeners and uh, maybe even put some of you on the air. So uh, if you may recall, this series started uh, with a scientific approach to, uh, to an issue uh, to be delved into over several episodes. And I started with a hypothesis. I started with the hypothesis that gun deaths will correlate with handgun ownership. Now, I'm not an expert in any means on this, uh, but I wanted to look. I wanted to show the method that I use for exploring the data and for coming to my conclusions. I also hypothesized that accidental deaths and suicides could be prevented by banning handguns. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please hit like, uh, please send a comment, and Share it with your friends. I'd uh, love to have more people interested in this topic and more people involved in the discussion. So I want to give you a little insight into my process in research uh, and how I go about doing it. Most of my research is online. These days, there's so much available over the internet that you can get uh, access to just about anything you need without leaving the comfort of your computer screen. I also do interviews with experts. I talk to people who have been studying this and get their inputs and get their viewpoints. I join discussion groups online and Facebook. Now, this is a difficult thing and it's fraught with peril uh, because discussion groups are mostly flack and name-calling in any sort of polarized issue, especially gun control. But in this case, it helps me to understand what the memes are and what the the basic understandings of both sides of the issue are and try to uh, hear both of them with an open mind, uh, stepping through the manure carefully. In this series, I've already posted an interview with uh, Jay Nathwani. He said, the current Canadian assault rifle ban is flawed legislation and leads to increased polarization. It seems to be uh, capricious and not based on any clear criteria. Jay said that several criteria could be considered in a, in a ban, logically. These would include limiting magazine capacity so that mass shooters couldn't uh, get a lot of people before they ran out of bullets and had to reload, or banning semi-automatic weapons. There's no real need for semi-automatic weapons in hunting uh, or other legal uh, uses of, of guns. And so there's definitely a possibility that an argument could be made to ban semi-automatic weapons. 
I followed this up with an interview with Jamie Melnick from London, Ontario. Jamie uh, said that registered legal handgun owners are not the source of the problem. These people have paid a lot of money and gone through several hoops in terms of getting licenses to own handguns and to transport them to firing ranges to participate in a sport that they love. Most of the crime, the gun crime that we see is due to illegal guns smuggled in from the U.S., at least in Canada. So my sources of research, my online research sources for this work, uh, I try to go to government sources at, if possible, and I try to cross-reference any suspicious data that I find with at least a second independent source. Uh, and the data that I'm going to be talking to you about come from the Canadian Department of Justice and Statistics Canada uh, in, in Canada. In the U.S., I have information from the Pew Research Center in the U.S. and Giffords Law Center. Uh, that was a a particular website which had some very interesting statistics available on that they'd uh, collected on on guns and shootings. In fact, the Giffords Law Center uh, said that states with universal background checks experienced 53% fewer mass shootings. They also state a fact that when a domestic abuser has a firearm, domestic assault incidents are 12 times more likely to end in death for the victim. Now these seem believable. Um, but I would say these are currently unverified from a single source. So I can't hang my hat on them and say they're perfect data, but uh, they're worth further investigation and they seem reasonable at first blush. From the more reputable sources, the government sources, uh, Stats Canada, 25% of Canadian households own a gun. In the U.S., 48%. Almost half U.S. households have guns. So the U.S. has per capita twice as many households with guns. And in general, they have more guns. Now, what are the uses of guns? Well, from Stats Canada and the Department of Justice, we find that 70% of Canadian gun owners are hunters. So in Canada, if you have a gun, it's likely you're a hunter. In the U.S., the vast majority of gun owners have them for protection. So it's a significantly different reason that the U.S. Uh, people have guns. Only 38% of U.S. gun owners are hunters. But if you look at it and do the multiplication, you find that in both Canada and the U.S., this means that 18% of Canadian and U.S. households own guns for hunting. It's almost identical. And this is reasonable. We have similar cultures, similar hunting cultures, similar access to wilderness for hunting. Handguns, however, are a big differentiator between the two. And that is mainly because of the difference between the uses that Canadian and U.S. gun owners put them to. U.S. gun owners for protection, Canadian gun owners for hunting. Only 12% of Canadian gun owners have a reason to own a handgun, whereas 72% of U.S. gun owners have a pistol. That's a huge difference. So of the overall population of households, 3% of households in Canada have a handgun, 35% of households in the U.S. Overall, there are 11 times more handguns per capita in the U.S., now, looking at the deaths, uh, the gun deaths, the U.S. has six times 
more gun deaths than Canada. And remember, we have roughly the same, and this is per capita, six times more gun deaths per capita, and we have roughly the same percentage of hunters with guns. The real difference is in the people having handguns per, for protection in the U.S. In the U.S., there's roughly an average, there's an average of 1.2 guns per person in the country. In Canada, there's 0.35 guns per person on average. So about three and a half times more guns per person available in the U.S. Now, the U.S. isn't the worst place in the world for, hand, or for firearm deaths. There are worse places. There are war-torn places, places where poverty and, and gangs have run rampant. There are higher firearm death rates in Colombia and Brazil and Central America than in the U.S. Although, interestingly, Mexico is, has fewer gun deaths per capita than the U.S. The U.S. has similar rates to the Philippines, to South Africa, to Mexico, and to Argentina. So, Going on from this, that's kind of a good basis that sets the scene for, for gun ownership and gun deaths. From these statistics, in 2017, handguns were involved in the majority of the 10,982 U.S. gun murders and non-negligent manslaughters for which data is available, according to the FBI. 64% of these were due to handguns. Despite the extremely low handgun ownership rate in Canada... Statistics Canada reports that 57%, over half of gun homicides in Canada, were handgun-related. So handguns are disproportionately used for killing people. And this is not a surprise. If you've, if you've listened to my previous episodes, we know, and it's always been, uh, my dad has always told me as well, you know, handguns have no other purpose than to kill people. This is why they're made. These are made to kill people. So it's not a surprise that Handguns are responsible for an out-of-proportion number of gun deaths. And many folks support a handgun ban for this reason. Now, let's go and play some devil's advocate here. Many gun supporters will tell you that having handguns prevents crime and dissuades criminals from committing crimes. Uh, if you read the gun magazines, they have stories every, every month about a few people who have uh, prevented a crime or, or stopped from getting mugged because they showed their, their pistol. They claim that the handgun problem is a gang problem, and that's true. Most of the handgun violence is associated with gangs. A majority of it is. And they say that banning handguns merely takes weapons out of the hands of the good guys. The bad guys aren't going to answer the ban. They're not going to give their guns back. And this lets the bad guys get away with murder indiscriminately. This seems like a logical argument until one looks at the statistics. U.S. gun deaths are six times Canada gun deaths per capita. But Canadians have 11 times fewer handguns than Americans. Think about that. By the gun supporters' logic, it should be reversed. The U.S. should be safer because more people have guns to protect themselves from crime. In Canada, most of the citizens that you encounter are not going to be carrying a gun, and so they should be suscept more susceptible to crime than Americans. Yet the crime rates are very similar. Unless the U.S. has a much higher intrinsic crime rate than Canada, this just doesn't make any sense. Are handguns just holding back the tide of a bigger bloodbath in the U.S.? 
Now, one gun supporter claimed on Facebook that the FBI stated that handguns are used defensively hundreds of thousands of times per year, preventing crime in the U.S. alone. Another one said it was millions. This seemed like an important counterpoint and useful for my my podcast, so I asked for reference. The poster came back posting a pro-gun blog that suggested that the numbers actually came from a CDC study. So now I'm getting suspicious. I ask for a reference to the CDC study, and the original poster comes back with an article from a pro-gun site that does uh, a big song and dance about a CDC unpublished survey that purports to show this data uh, and is reviewed by a uh, pro-gun researcher. So this, in my mind, has gone from a potential reliable reference to not maybe something you'd hang your hat on. A survey that was not published for unknown reasons is not strong evidence. At best, it is an indication that maybe there is something worth studying in a more statistically controlled manner. The questions you might ask yourself in a situation like this are, why was the original CDC data not published? And there could be a number of factors. As a scientist, I know many times you collect data and it's just not worth publishing. The authors of the pro-gun site suggested it was because the CDC was influenced to not publish this data as a conspiracy against gun supporters. When you start to go to conspiracies to support yourself, you are on very slippery footing. It's probably not reliable. There must be a better reason. More realistic reasons the data was not published. And I'll I'll give you a few ideas. One, maybe there was an error in how the data was collected. Maybe the researchers realized that the way they posed the question caused bias in their participants. You can imagine asking people, did you use a gun defensively to prevent crime? And sure, maybe they'll say they did. But if you can't actually verify whether they're telling the truth or if you have evidence that many of them were lying, then you wouldn't publish that data. Perhaps the authors couldn't draw any statistically significant conclusions from the data for for one of these reasons. Maybe they couldn't verify the data. Maybe they found that the survey was contaminated in some way. Maybe there was a big push by uh, pro-gun people to respond to the survey and it wasn't collected in in a statistically independent way. So... At best, this is an indication. This isn't support. This isn't scientific. So I went around and looked, and I haven't been able to find any really strong supporting evidence for the claim that handguns prevent hundreds of thousands of crimes. I do agree that they dissuade criminals in the act if they are presented, and they definitely can result in positive defense. They can also escalate a previously peaceful situation to a violent end. I think if handguns were saving lives and preventing crimes, the U.S. would be much safer than Canada on a per capita basis. But the opposite is clearly true. I found references to unpublished data suggesting that survey respondents feel that they've used their guns defensively hundreds of thousands of times per year. What constitutes defensive gun use in this survey? Does it really prevent crime? 
If you're frightened, for example, by a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest outside your house and you point your guns at protesters, is this a defensive gun use preventing a crime? If you're frightened by an immigrant family at the park and you point a gun at them, would this have been listed as defensive by the perpetrator? Were the Rittenhouse murders defensive gun use? Most people would say no. Most people would say that Rittenhouse carrying guns illegally across state lines to attend a protest created a crime that would not otherwise have happened without the guns. Now I realize there's a lot of people out there that support Kyle Rittenhouse as a as a folk hero, vigilante, um, protecting um, property from a mob. And he was violently set upon uh, by unsavory Antifa characters, and he was just defending himself. And I don't want to get into that argument right now. I don't necessarily agree with that statement, but I can see how people might think that that was a good thing. But in the very best case... Let's assume that law-abiding gun owners are frequently pulling their guns to peacefully dissuade criminals from mugging them. Does this really decrease the crime rate, or does it just mean that the criminals will move on to another victim? The thought may be that an armed populace makes crime much more dangerous for perpetrators and will therefore make criminals think twice before turning to crime. Unfortunately, there is ample evidence that severe punishments and even capital, capital punishment do not significantly impact crime rates. In a lot of cases, people who are motivated to commit crimes have psychological problems that affect their ability to assess risks properly. So I don't think this argument hangs together, and I don't think the data that we see supports it. Now, the NRA will tell you that people with guns can stop mass shooters, there was a mass shooting at a summer camp in Norway where the assailant killed 77 people and walked away because nobody had a gun to stop him. However, in the U.S., the 2017 Vegas mass shooting, the killer took out 58 people before he was incapacitated. In Fort Hood, on an army base, one armed assailant killed 13 people and injured 30 others before he was stopped. It seems like the gun culture in the U.S. is not having a big impact on mass shooting safety. The U.S. is not markedly safer than other countries with fewer guns. Canada has less people dying in mass shootings than the U.S., even though we don't have uh, hardly any handguns. Now, another defender of gun rights said that Guns are necessary to protect citizens from the government. And this is a, a long-standing mantra of the right that you hear quite often. Personally, I don't believe guns are the best defense against a government in a democratic society. I think your vote is a much stronger defense. And I think the pen is mightier than the sword in this case. A free press and peaceful demonstration have much better track records than guns in uh, defending the rights of the downtrodden. Compare the success of the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas, to protest to protests for equal rights. In the end, their guns did not protect them from the government. I think Martin Luther King had a much bigger impact on uh, defending people from the government than the Branch Davidians. I think it. What I'm seeing in the data suggests that he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. I'm 
being pulled to the direction that more guns does not equal more safety. It escalates violent situations in most cases. Societies with fewer guns seem to be safer than societies with more guns. Now, that doesn't mean that the guns create the violence, and the question is what to do about this situation. Because it could be that unsafe societies, or dangerous societies, result in more handgun ownership, or more gun ownership, which results in more violence and more um, deadly violence. But where does this leave us? What's the answer? What is the, the best way forward for society? Banning handguns would be a big negative to folks like Jamie Melnick, who spent a lot of money to be able to do target shooting at his local range. However, this is a very small fraction of the population, especially in Canada. Something uh, similar might be the, uh, the ban on lawn darts. A few people were injured, a few people were killed in the U.S. They banned the lawn darts. It didn't have a big impact on most, people, most people's lives. Most people would just shrug and move on. The question we should be asking as a society is, does the benefit outweigh the damage to the Jamie Melnicks? These people have rights and they have freedoms that should be protected. And if they want to purchase guns and transport them safely to the gun range to shoot with them, how is it that we can take that right away from them? without showing any significant benefit to society. One could say that in Canada, most homicides are caused by handguns smuggled from the U.S. anyways. So the benefit of such a ban isn't clear. At best, it would make enforcement easier if you knew that all handguns were banned. Uh, the police could just confiscate any handgun they encounter without asking for a license and send the perpetrator to jail. In Canada, most people don't feel the need to own handguns for defense, so most people wouldn't be put out by this, and it would probably go over well. It would be politically expedient to do that. We aren't, as a whole, as frightened as people in the U.S. of guns and gang violence. Because the likelihood of being attacked by an armed assailant is relatively low here. On the other hand, in the U.S., gun violence seems to be normalized. It's, it's on the news all the time. The prevalence of gun violence and gang killings is, is intense. A cousin of mine worked in the ER in Detroit, and it was like a, a mash hospital every night with gun victims being brought in, uh, bleeding from several gunshot wounds. It, it, was, it, was, it was enlightening. In the U.S., However, people would literally be up in arms, pardon the pun, if you tried to ban handguns. The mantra is that the Second Amendment of the Constitution is a God-given right. People want the liberty to, def to defend their family with a gun. And I can't, I can't gainsay that. That is perfectly legitimate uh, use of a gun. If you feel that your, your safety is at risk and you feel you need to have this gun to protect your family and your right to have this gun is written into your constitution, and everyone else you run into has a gun, you would certainly feel like a victim without one. So the question is how to get from where we are now to a safer place. And we can all agree that Canada is a safer place, 
and that Canadians don't feel the need to have handguns in general to protect their families. And the obverse is true in the U.S. And if you ban these handguns that people feel are protecting them, it's the law-abiding citizens that are going to feel at risk and victimized. The illegal owners of guns are not going to give up their illegal guns in a ban. So how to de-escalate the situation safely is the question that comes to mind. How do you safely disarm the populace? You can't ban guns if people don't feel safe. If people are afraid for their safety, they're not going to give up their guns. You need to solve the violence problems before you ban the guns or you're just hurting the good guys. The people will rebel against your edicts and you are just forcing something down people's throats. I feel that to be successful, you need to implement the social policies that bring equity, that address poverty, that treat addiction, that treat mental health issues, and maybe even provide a universal basic income. Now, you should go back and listen to my episode on universal basic income because it was eye-opening for me. And I think it would be interesting for everybody to have a listen to that because I was originally on the side where thinking this was uh, crazy. We've been um, fed a line that universal basic income will just make all prices rise. This is the neoliberal trickle-down economics. We need to give money to the rich and that will stimulate the economy. Well, that's a load of bollocks. If anyone who's lived through the, the crashes and the rise of inequality from over the, over the last 50 years would know. If you make people safe, then you can have the discussion about taking away their guns. If you make them feel safe, address the issues that cause the violence, you're going to have a safer society. Anyways, thanks for listening. I would love to hear your opinions on this issue. It's very polarizing. Send me your comments. In fact, send me your audio clips. If you want to be involved in the show, send me a 30 to 60 second audio clip and let's have a discussion. I'll, I'll air it on my next podcast. Uh, that'll be January 9th. Remember, I'm taking a, a two-week break to spend holidays with my family. I'd like you all to have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, a safe and warm holiday season. Thanks for listening to The Rational View. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please consider visiting my patron page and becoming a patron of this podcast at patron.podbean.com slash the rational view.